We are in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Looking at a message I've entitled Uninterrupted Service. Uninterrupted Service. Galatians chapter 4 beginning in verse 13. The Apostle Paul writes, You know how that through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. In my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God even as Jesus Christ. Where is then there the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you, I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Uninterrupted service. I want to start by looking at Paul's affliction tonight. Paul's affliction. He mentions that there in verse 13. He says, you know how through uh, infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel to you. Paul had a health problem of some sort. Now, scholars have debated what it is. We don't know. Uh, but uh, it might have been his eyesight. It might have been a problem with his eyesight. Uh, for instance, if you flip over to chapter 6 and verse 11... Look what Paul says. He says, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hand. And so if he has to make big letters, maybe that's because, uh, you know, he had trouble seeing. And, of course, we have already read there in verse 15. He says, you guys would have given me your own eyes. And so there's some hints in the text that whatever his infirmity was, it may have had to do with his eyes. Now, there was one man from Mississippi, one from Kentucky, and one from Maryland. They got acquainted and started talking about their wives. The guy from Mississippi began by saying, I told my wife in no uncertain terms that from now on she would have to do her own cooking. Well, the first day after I told her, I saw nothing. The second day, I saw nothing. But on the third day, when I came home from work, the table was set, a wonderful dinner was prepared, even dessert. Then the man from Kentucky spoke up. I sat my wife down and told her that from now on, She would have to do her own shopping and also the cleaning. The first day I saw nothing. The second day I saw nothing. But on the third day when I came home, the whole house was spotless. And in the pantry, the shelves were filled with groceries. Well, the fellow from Maryland was married to a no-nonsense woman from Waldorf. He sat up straight, pushed out his chest and said, I gave my wife a stern look. And I told her from now on she would have to do the cooking, shopping and house cleaning. Well, on the first day, I saw nothing. The second day, I still saw nothing. But on the third day, I could see a little bit out of my left eye. Anyway, Paul had some sort of affliction, and it may have had to do with his eyes. Now, we know that Paul had asked God to uh, remove this repeatedly. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he said, I asked the Lord thrice to remove this from me, He doesn't tell us what it is. Again, we think maybe it has something to do with his eyes. But he didn't complain when God didn't heal him. In fact, he understood suffering to be part of the human condition universally and the Christian situation particularly. We all become impatient with God when he doesn't do what we want when we want it. Now, we may not enjoy our sufferings, but we can actually be grateful for our sufferings. 
Because the will of God for us is to give thanks in all things. Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He didn't say in some things, in good things. He said in all things, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. And we know too that when we go through suffering, we are being molded, molded into Christ-likeness. We're being molded into Christ-likeness. Again, we don't enjoy it necessarily, but we can be thankful for it. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, James addresses this. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect worth, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so nobody's telling you you should enjoy when you go through difficult times. But on the other hand, be thankful for them. God uses different routes to get us all to the same place, to be more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice that Paul's condition was not an excuse to keep him from serving. Again, I'm talking tonight about uninterrupted service. And so Paul had this affliction. He had this problem, whatever it was. He asked and asked and asked for it to be removed. It might have been his eyes. Whatever it was, it was not an excuse for him to keep from serving because he was in that condition when he was meeting with the Galatians and serving the Lord through them. Indeed, Paul was ill when he first met and evangelized the Galatians. Apparently, his ailment, whatever it was, was repulsive. Look in verse 14 there. It says, My temptation which was in my flesh you did not despise nor reject. But apparently he was accustomed to people you know, turning away from him. Uh, whatever this affliction was, if it was his eyes, I don't know if pus was coming, I don't know. I don't want to gross you out. But the fact of the matter is uh, people were you know, pushing him away or turning aside. They didn't want to be near him, but the Galatians weren't like that. They accepted him. Physically to look at what he literally says here in verse 14 is that that which tried you in my body, is what he says, that which tried you in my body. So there was something in Paul's body that was trying them. Spiritually, the Jews and Gentiles alike understood illness to be divine punishment. Now, we know that's not true, but that's what they believed back then. And so when somebody was sick, well, that's because God was getting them. God was after them because they hadn't behaved properly. You might remember the story when Jesus, he and his disciples come upon this this, uh, well, he's a man at this point, but he had been lame from birth. And one of the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man's mom or dad? Which one? And Jesus said, neither one, but so that God could be glorified. And, of course, Jesus raised him up. So God doesn't get us when, you know, when we do something wrong, he doesn't slap a sickness on us automatically. But that's what they thought back then. And so this would have also been repulsive. Here's this guy, this evangelist, Paul, coming and preaching about Jesus Christ, and he himself is sick. And so that would have been a real turnoff for them. But not for the Galatians. Notice what he says here in verse 14. They received him like an angel of God. And even as Christ himself. And my friends, let's learn a lesson there. We must keep open, welcoming doors for all who come here to worship. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter where they come from. Doesn't matter how much money they have or don't have. If they are coming here to worship God, our doors need to be open. Now, if somebody tries to come here and make a statement, make a point, you know, something, I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about somebody wants to come and worship. We need to just welcome them with open arms. Even if they've got stuff coming out of their eyes like apparently Paul had. Let's be welcoming and let's keep an open door. But you see this ailment that Paul had, it actually caused him to rely much more on Christ. Again, we don't know exactly what it was, but whatever it was, it caused Paul to depend more and more on Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, after Paul asked for this thing to be removed, here's what Jesus says to him, quote, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul says, More gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, and serving with an ailment can inspire others to faith and service, like Paul. How about, I'm sure you've heard of Joni Tata Erickson, a paraplegic author and artist. How many people as she has toured the world, painting with a paintbrush in her mouth? How many people have been won to Christ because these other people are perfectly healthy and they can't find an excuse why they can't go to church or serve God when she's serving God and she has no arms or legs that use to use. You may have heard of David Ring, an evangelist with cerebral palsy. He's kind of hard. You have to really listen carefully when he speaks. But God uses him in a mighty way. And so God will use afflictions. God will use our own problems, health problems or whatever, for his glory. And that others may be drawn close to Christ. So I would ask you tonight, and not necessarily you specifically, but what is keeping you from serving? What is keeping you from serving? The only disqualifying disqualifying factor for service in the church is being unsaved. And so if you're saved, you're qualified to serve. If you're saved, you're qualified to serve. There are many places, many ways to serve. Not only are you qualified to serve, if you're saved, you're commanded to serve. You and I were saved to serve. And you're invited to serve here. If you don't currently have a place of service somewhere in the life of the church, see me. We might be able to put you in a slot that's open. Or maybe you have a special ministry that will make a new slot just for you. But we want you serving. And the reason we want you serving It's because God wants you serving. If I say, well, but my toe hurts, you know, or, you know, or I have this, uh, I have this uh, problem with my heart. I have to take a pill or something. Well, look at Paul. He, He had a problem. I don't know what it was, but people were repulsed by whatever this problem was. It didn't stop him from serving. Right now at church, we have deacons. We've got, what, two, three that are going off of the deacon board, so we need some new deacons. We always need Sunday school teachers and Sunday school substitute teachers. Still got some openings, I'm sure, in Vacation Bible School and Awana and everywhere you look. Plenty of places to serve. What's your excuse? If you're saved, you need to be serving. And so we see Paul's affliction. Secondly, I want us to look at Paul's rejection. Paul's rejection. Paul perceived that he had become the Galatians' enemy. Look in verse 16. He says, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? The Judaizers, these are the folks, I remember I talked about them last week, the week before. It's kind of 
a constant theme through the book of Galatians, but the Judaizers said, yeah, you need Jesus, but you've got to become Jewish first. In particular, you men got to get circumcised. You've got to become a Jew before you can really be a good Christian. Well, the Judaizers had twisted the Galatians' thinking to the point that Paul was perceiving that they looked at him as an enemy. They would say, you know, Paul, your gospel is incomplete because it doesn't include good works. You're talking about all this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, put your faith in Him. But what about circumcision? What about doing good works? What about obeying the law? Paul, you didn't tell us the whole story. You just gave us half the story. Paul, you gave us bad information, they might say. But see, Paul had given them the truth of freedom in Christ. And that was a real positive. Freedom in Christ. We have that hymn in our hymnal, Free from the Law, Happy Condition. Jesus has bled and there is remission. Paul didn't give them a half gospel. He gave them the whole gospel, which does not include good works and particularly circumcision. But you know what? Sometimes when you share the truth, it hurts. When you share the truth, it hurts people who hear it. You don't want to hurt them with the truth, but you want them to have the truth. And sometimes when you give them the truth, they don't appreciate it. As it hits them square between the eyes. The book of Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 6 puts it this way. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So if you really are somebody's friend. If you really love them. You're going to tell them the truth. Now that does not apply. Men when your wife gets a new dress. And she puts it on. And she comes down. And she says this is make me look fat. You know. It doesn't apply. You need to lie, lie, lie. Actually, Debbie figured it out. If I don't like it, I don't say anything. She'll ask me. she said, well, does this make me look fat or do you like this dress or whatever? I don't say anything because I don't want to lie. That's not the right thing to do. And I don't want to tell her the truth. <laughs> so I'm just quiet. And at this point in our marriage, she's figured out when I'm quiet, I don't like it. And then she just gets mad at me anyway. She said, well, I'm wearing it anyway. I bought it and I like it. And I said, well, I didn't say anything. Sometimes sharing the truth hurts. Paul's concern was not that the Galatians' allegiance was shifting from him to others. That was not his concern. Look at verse 18. It is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I'm present with you, And so his concern was not that the Galatians' allegiance was shifting from him to others. He obviously understood that God uses multiple ministries where he said, you know, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. Uh, Paul understood that. Takes a lot of people uh, to, you know, in God, God uses a lot of people to, to do his work. Paul's problem was he was troubled that the Judaizers were courting the Galatians into false doctrine and spiritual bondage. He didn't care that they were that the Galatians were palling up with the Judaizers, those people. He didn't care about that. That didn't hurt his feelings. His concern was that they were getting into false doctrine and spiritual bondage. The Judaizers were alienated, alienating the Galatians from Paul and consequently from the truth. Look at verse 17. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. 
But I want you to notice that Paul's mistreatment by the Galatians didn't stop him from serving. His affliction didn't stop him from serving. His mistreatment didn't stop him from serving. In fact, Paul wrote this entire letter, the book of Galatians, out of concern because he couldn't be with them physically, and so the next best thing was writing them a letter. But what's the big deal about writing a letter? Well, back then it was expensive to write a letter. Supplies were not readily available like now. Not only that, it was hard to do. Remember, Paul probably had a problem with his eyes. You might say, well, he could have... He could have dictated the letter to somebody else. Yeah, he could, but when you're dictating, it's not always the same as when it's coming right off your pen. Not only was it expensive to write a letter and hard to do, a letter back then was hard to deliver. You had to find somebody you could really, really count on, really trust to get that letter where it needed to be. And so this is a big deal that Paul is showing his love and his friendship and his concern for them by writing this letter, and of course we've all benefited as a result of the letter that he wrote. Paul did not quit serving because he was mistreated. Paul did not quit serving because he was criticized. But how many Christians hear criticism and then stop serving? If you haven't learned this yet, you need to learn it now. It doesn't matter that we're in church. People can be mean. Even church people can be mean. And learn this. People criticize. And I'm not talking about constructive criticism. Like in rehearsal today after church, I was playing that box, that cajon, and the band didn't like it. And they told me, <laughs> you know, they said, no, we like you over there on the drums. We don't like you on that thing, on this song. Well, that's fine. That's constructive criticism. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how these Galatians had turned on Paul. Because they piled up with the Judaizers who were teaching them the wrong things. And yet Paul quit, uh, continued to serve despite their criticism, despite their, uh, despite their mistreatment. So what I'm telling you, if you accept my challenge tonight and you're going to serve, you're going to start serving, or you're going to keep serving, just know this, people can be mean and people will criticize. Oh well. And when they do criticize, learn from the experience. Take away anything positive from what they have to say. And that which they say that's unhelpful, ignore it. And keep on serving. Because remember whom you are serving. You're not serving me. You're not serving the church. You're serving God. Paul would say that as much in Colossians chapter 3. And in verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Listen to this. For ye serve the Lord Christ. That's who you're serving. So in a sense, if they're mistreating you and they're criticizing you for your service, guess who they're criticizing? Don't let mistreatment... Don't let rejection, like in the case of Paul, stop you from serving. He didn't. He had an affliction. Didn't stop him from serving. He got rejection. Didn't stop him from serving. Let's look thirdly at Paul's dedication. Paul's dedication. Paul committed to keep serving until the Galatians reached maturity. 
Paul was kind of like their mother, their spiritual mother, and they were like his children. Look at verse 19. My little children, he calls them, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. He said, you know, I already gave birth to you once. (laughs) But he was willing to go through giving birth to them again. I know you mothers, you love your children. You say, oh, it was worth it, you know, all that I went through in order to bring this child in the world. But I don't know that you would give birth twice to the same kid, (laughs) especially once they grow up and you get to know them. It's like, no way, man, no way. But Paul had already given spiritual birth to them, and he said, I'll do it again. He was dedicated. Not only would he endure their birth again, but also their maturation. Again, he says, I'm going to keep giving birth to you until Christ is formed in you. Paul wanted to see Christ formed in them. He wanted to see them in complete submission to Christ. And he knew, like we know, this doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over time. Oh, you're saved in a moment. The very moment you receive Christ as your Savior, believing He died on the cross for your sins, was buried for your sins, and rose again the third day, you're saved in that moment. But you're not a mature Christian at that moment. It's a process we call sanctification. Little by little, day by day, month by month, year by year, you become more and more like Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to come and serve the Galatians personally. Look at verse 20. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice because I stand in doubt of you. He wanted to come serve them personally. He wanted to change his tone of voice with them. The letter did not convey, could not convey his precise, deep emotions for them. And he was doubtful about their situation. He was even doubtful about their salvation because they got all in cahoots with these Judaizers and he's... He taught them grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And they still had that, but they were adding this other stuff, circumcision in particular, but the rest of the law. And he's thinking, maybe you guys aren't even saved now. Once you add works to salvation, that's not God's plan of salvation. That's man's plan. Oh, yeah. Do it yourself. God's plan is by grace through faith in Christ. Faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. You see, these Galatians were growing, but they were growing in the wrong direction. They were growing away from a relationship and toward religion. They were growing away from the truth and towards error. And Paul didn't want that for them. And so he was looking at the situation and says, I'm not sure about you guys. I'm not even sure about your eternal destination at this point. You've got so perverted with these Judaizers. But Paul was dedicated, man. He's willing to go all the way with them. He gave birth to them once. He gave birth to them again. He said, I'll keep giving birth to you until you mature. And any genuine Christian minister wants to see people saved and growing. That's what I want to see in your lives. I want to see you saved. And I want to see you growing. I don't want to see you stagnate. So I ask you, like I do every time I speak from this pulpit, are you saved? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you personally believe He died on that cross to pay for your sins? He was buried and rose again from the dead for you. Are you saved? And the second question, are you growing in Christ? 
Are you thinking? Are you acting? Are you talking more and more like Christ? This is not only what I desire for you. This is what I desire for me, too. We are learning and growing together. Some are further along than others. I'm here to tell you something you already know. I haven't arrived yet, and neither have you. I was just thinking the other day, I was praying, and I thought about at, at home next to my desk, I have this filing cabinet. It's five drawers, and it stands about this tall, full of sermons, full of sermons. Yeah, it's a pretty good ones, actually. And I just thought about how I could have come here and just used all these old sermons. You wouldn't know the difference. Robbie Jones is the only one that would have known the difference because before, when he was on the committee, before he called me, he listened to every one of my sermons he could find. So he might know, but nobody else would know. I told Robbie he was crazy, by the way, to his face. I said, don't you have anything else to do other than listen to my sermons? But Robbie was very concerned about who would be in this pulpit. And he figured if he listened to enough of whoever it was, if there were concerns, they would eventually come out. My point is, I have this whole filing cabinet, and I could just pull sermons every week and just preach stuff I've preached to other churches, and you wouldn't know the difference. But then I wouldn't be growing. I wouldn't be challenged. And I want to grow and be challenged right along with you. And so Gary's always kind enough, usually on Sunday nights, to mention something about the sermon I preached, you know, that morning and something he noticed or something he saw or something that spoke to him. And I just want you all to know something I think you also already know. You get my sermons for 20, 25 minutes at a time. I get them for weeks at a time while I'm preparing them. I mean, God is really working on me, and I love it. Because... I'm growing and being challenged right along with you. Growing is God's desire for us. It's not just should be our desire. It is his desire for us. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. God wants us growing. How do we grow? By spending time with him in his word. Paul's dedication is what kept him serving. And so today we've seen Paul's affliction. He had something wrong. He asked God to take it away. God said, nope, not going to do it. Did that stop Paul from serving? Nope. He kept on serving. Even though some people are like, whoa, I can't even, I don't even want to look at you, Paul. Then we see Paul's rejection. Because of the Judaizers' infiltration, the Galatians were basically rejecting Paul. Did that stop him from serving? No. That's why he wrote the letter. And again, we've all benefited as a result of that. And then we see Paul's dedication. He said, I feel like I'm your mom. I gave birth to you once. I'll give birth to you again. I want to see you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to see you mature into godly men and women. That's what I want for you. And I hope that's what you want for me. As we all grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ together. Paul's dedication kept him serving. May your dedication to the Lord Jesus Christ keep you serving. And again, I challenge you, if you're not serving, please see me. 
And Donna can help me. Donna keeps the list of every job. And we'll work together. We'll make sure you get a job. Or make sure you get another job. <laughs> or another job yet. And again, maybe we'll have to create a new job. That's good. We've created a lot of new jobs just since I've been here. And so we'll keep creating new jobs. Whatever we can do to help you serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as a result, we all benefit as the church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the great example of the Apostle Paul. He just did not stop serving. He was criticized. He was mistreated. He was unhealthy. But he was totally committed to you. And may we remain totally committed to you as well. And may we keep serving. Either till we die or you come again. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.